So next week we'll start with our my little mini Christmas series. Uh, but I wanted to get out, not, I don't want to say get out of the way, but uh, as we approach the first of the year, I'm always thinking about fasting. Because for years now, uh, as a church, but also just as an individual, I take the first of my year and I fast. Uh, I'm not going to give necessarily instruction today on that, but I just want to continue uh, just with, with the thought of preparing ourselves, uh, preparing our year for the Lord. So last week we started to talk about, um, the, the, the key verse was in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. It says, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Now, I was talking about uh, if... If you, if you struggle through life when life is good, how are you going to make it through life when life is hard? Right? And really the idea here is that we do this with the Lord. And so just a little bit of a recap of last week. Um, Michael, I may be going here and there on my, on my verses, so hopefully uh, don't worry about trying to keep up with me until I get to my text. But we are living in a time where things are difficult and they're progressively getting more difficult. I believe, and many uh, other pastors or biblical scholars or just Christians in general think that we are very close to the second coming of Christ. I'm not saying we're in the tribulation period, I'm not saying that stuff, but the day of the Lord is approaching. And it was actually just a couple weeks ago, uh, as I was finishing up in a different series, and it was Hebrews 10.25, where it says, Do not forsake the gathering together, the fellowship of the saints, and even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. And I've just been looking back at 2020, and we know it's just been a chaotic and a crazy year, this season we're in. But one of the, the things that has bothered me the most, and I, and I understand, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not some, um, some ignorant, hard-nosed pastor that, that doesn't have a, an idea about what reality is taking place. I understand there is a virus out there. I understand there's stuff going on. But what I have seen on the spiritual sense of things is the church has not met consistently. Some people have even used COVID as an excuse to not be a part of the church anymore. And in the time where God says in his word that we should be taking more time to be together as the body of Christ, I believe the devil has very effectively fractured many of the churches and many people in the church. And so I think we need to reevaluate our relationship with God, where we're at, and ask ourselves, okay, in these hard seasons, am I getting trampled on by horses? This is a prophetic verse we're talking about here in Jeremiah 12.5. Or am I keeping up with the season? Is this time dragging me down and pulling me away from God? Or am I sucking it up, finding out where my faith is, what I'm really grounded on, and focusing in on the Lord? Yes. That had nothing to do with my sermon. <laughs> I mean, usually I'm very you know, ordered in my preaching, but it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's on my heart. I mean, as the day of the Lord approaches, do not forsake the gathering of the church. And even more so, more effort to be with the body of Christ. So as we come into this, this time, this not only this Christmas season, but looking towards the first of the year, my encouragement to you, and when I say encouragement, that means you need to do this, okay? Is you need to dedicate time to God. You should be doing that every day. At some point during your day, I think it's best at the beginning of your day, give some time to the Lord. You should give him the first of your week. That's why we're here on a Sunday. This isn't just a a religious or ritualistic exercise that we do. We are here as an offering to God, giving him this time for him. 
your tithe and your offerings, you should give God the first 10% of all of your incomes. Because when you give God your best, He blesses the rest. It's in the Bible. And I believe you should give Him the first of your year. If this principle of firsts applies to other areas, why shouldn't it apply to my time in my year? And so I try my very best to give God 21 days of January. I give Him the first of my year for the blessing of the entire year. And I can look back over this, this COVID year and really see how God has kept me. How He has really he's kept this church. How he's blessed us. It's really a powerful thing. So a verse that you'll hear often is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And when it comes to, again, I'm still talking about fasting here, but this word humble themselves. I cannot think of a more humble thing to do than to fast. Because what humbleness is, humbleness is not like, oh, I'm just so lowly. No, humbleness means my confidence is in God. That's the the scriptural definition of humbleness. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust in God. And what better way to trust Him than to trust Him with your very sustenance? Lord, I'm not going to trust in food. I'm not going to trust in my hand feeding my mouth and feeding my body. I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to humble myself. And this is what positions us to really hear from God. Because we are living in a time where horses are running. We talked about this last week and I'll get more into it in a moment. That want to trample you down. There is a spirit in this culture right now. That is not good. And it is intensifying. Where there is fear. Where there is confusion. Where there is uh, economic collapsing. Where there is death taking place. It's a spirit of horses, I believe, which we talked, and again, you can look at it from last week in, in Revelation chapter 6. But really, the, these four horses of the apocalypse that are coming in the tribulation period, I believe the spirit of those horses are here right now. And it's intensifying as that day approaches. We already know from 1 John chapter 4 that when John's talking to about how do you know what truth is or how it's from God and what's not from God. And he says, you know, those who are opposed to God, that there is a spirit of the Antichrist. And then he says, and that spirit is already here. And that spirit of the Antichrist, it doesn't just mean against God. It means a pseudo-Christ. It means a fake Christ. One that sounds like him, but it's not him. And doesn't really offer salvation, but really offers death. Offers temporal solutions that will pull you further away from God rather than closer to Him. And in that time, in this time which we are living, I believe right now, we need to know how to live to where we don't get trampled on by these horses, deceived by these spirits, but we live and stand strong in the Lord. That we can literally run with these horses. This means we need to be prepared to the best of our ability to not only to, to stand for the Lord, but to run in this season with these horses. So again, I don't believe we're in the tribulation period. I really don't. Uh, it, we're, we're just not. 
But again, just like there is a spirit of the Antichrist is here right now, though the, the Antichrist, he is not here right now. He is not in control. He's not ruling. As I said, he's not Trump. He's not Biden. He wasn't Obama. He's not, uh, I, I was trying to think of some other ones, but I'll just leave them. I, my mind went blank. He's not, he's not here right now as far as in power. But the spirit is. And like I said, so these horses, and again, you can read through Revelation chapter 6 and go through it yourself, but there's four horses that are described in, in Revelation chapter 6. The first one is this white horse, and you know the Antichrist is riding that horse, and there's disruption in the world because of him. There's deception. Answers that sound good, but don't offer great or good solutions. Then there is a second horse, uh, a red horse, and it, and it symbolizes fear and violence. And we can see greater fear in our world today. We can see violence everywhere, and it's escalating. The third was a black horse, and it was uh, economic collapse. It talks about how there's things that, like a loaf of bread, how it shouldn't cost that much, how it's costing crazy amounts, how people are hoarding all this stuff. And we can see that. I mean, again, 2020, it's not just crazy because of COVID. Wasn't it crazy how the stock market went from like 28,000 points down to like 17,000? It's going back up again, and, and we don't know what's going on. All this unrest and uncertainty. And the last horse is a pale horse, and it's the horse of death. And this is, again, why I know we're not in the tribulation period, because it says that a quarter of the world's population dies during this time. Well, that hasn't happened. Okay? I'm getting text messages. It's great to have everything all synced up. That's cool. So again, these horses. Now with that, let's go back and read Jeremiah 12, 5. It says, If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Now, Here's something interesting. This, I, I don't know about you, but I have never ran physically with horses. I try to avoid horses. At least be on the other side of the fence from horses. I don't like horses. My daughters love them, and I don't. And it, it's really it's this, this conflict inside of me. But uh, here's the key. This verse implies that we can run with horses. I don't know about you, but I'm not that fast. In track, I wasn't fast. And they thought, oh, you're tall, you're skinny. You could be a distance runner. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you're, you're not. I'm not fast. But there's something about this that says that we can run with horses. That means there's, there's, there's things in life that seem impossible in this season, in our own strength. But God's saying, you can do this if you do it the way I say to do it. If you follow my principles. Amen. We can apply principles and values that God has given us in his word, to keep on keeping up with life. Again, I can say I don't know about you, but I, I'm probably actually pretty certain there's been times in your life where you thought, you know what, I can't keep going on. I can't keep going through this. I just need a break. But I believe God has supernatural strength for us Amen. to get through these seasons, to literally run with horses. And we went through uh, this, this checklist. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is where we'll be for the rest of the, this, the, the message today. Where we have nine things that Paul talks about. As Paul gives the synopsis of how the end times will be in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 and 5. As he concludes, 
he has these really weird verses. And again, if, if, you, if you study the Bible or if you know how the Apostle Paul writes, he writes in very, very long sentences. And he'll put like a comma and he'll keep on going. So these compound, you know, huge sentences, but all of a sudden he has this little checklist. Pray without ceasing. Have gratitude. You know, and it's almost like, as the way he's writing, like he stops his, his breakdown of the end times and says, okay, now here's how you should live in these times. And we went through four of those last week, and we're going to go through five of them today. But really, as, as, these, dif- as these difficult times come into our lives, God has given us principles of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians in hard seasons. So if you feel like the season that you're living in right now is outrunning you, and you're not keeping pace, go to this list. In fact, I'll encourage you if, you, if you do have your Bible or if you have a piece of paper, I know during COVID right now we're not supposed to hand out pieces of paper, so I haven't been doing notes, but I'll give you the first four right now, and you can memorize these, they're easy enough, but you need to have a covering, you need to have a ministry, you need to have grace in your life and give grace, you need to have joy in your life, and we're going to get to the next one today, which is prayer. Number five, prayer. One more verse before I, I, before I finish, uh, before I get into prayer. Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find, what? New strength. They will soar high with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. That's, that was what I wanted to focus on. When we apply these, these principles to our lives that we find here in 1 Thessalonians 5, we will run, and you can even add, run with horses and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So we have a covering in our lives. We have grace in our lives. We, we have uh, ministry and purpose in our lives. We have joy in our lives. And we have to have prayer in our lives. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's another great verse to memorize. Never stop praying. Can, can, can we, uh, we did this last week. Let's do this this week. We're going to memorize scripture right now and get this into your heart. Can you say, never stop praying? Never stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 There, you, you, just, you just put scripture into your heart. But this is another one of those, check, those checklist points. Prayer. Prayer is not getting God to come closer to me. Prayer is me getting closer to God. I don't know about you. I, I say that a lot. I'm, just, I'm realizing this. So I'm going to stop saying that word or that, that phrase. For myself, oftentimes, I have a hard time hearing other people. And I blame two things for that. Electric guitars and guns. So, and drums too, so I can say three things. But there's, there's something about, uh, in conversations, I have a hard time hearing people. And I've, I've said this before, but like quiet talkers. Hey Brian, how are you doing? So good to see you. I, I can't hear you. Speak up, you know, you know or, or talk to me, again, with husbands and wives. You know, there's nothing worse than like, Brian, can you help me with this? And like, Speak to me. Don't speak through walls. You know, look at me. Speak to me. You know, because we don't hear well. And I think a lot of it's because as, as guys, because we already destroy our bodies, but we've also destroyed our hearing. And so please speak to us. But I find that if people want something from me, you're going to get a lot better response if you come and speak to me and get closer to me. Oh, and here's the other thing, though. I don't like close talkers. I don't like soft talkers, and I don't like close talkers either. So just speak to me, you know, at a comfortable distance. That's the one, the one thing that I love about COVID is six feet. If you don't know, again, with, with fins, Finnish people, 
We like our distance. We've been socially separated for centuries. And you can actually find Finland is actually the, the best, uh, best results COVID country in the world, I think. Finland and then Sweden next. Because we already know how to socially distance. We're comfortable with that. Okay. Back on track. I have all these notes. I need to stay on track with them today. So prayer is moving closer to God. And what I was trying to get at is this. The closer you are to someone, the better chance you are of getting your message heard. Not because they're not there, but because you're closer to him. And we pray, we're drawing closer to God. This is why Paul says, if you're in hard times, you need to pray. You need to get closer to God in your relationship. Take some time with him. You see, I, I didn't... I read this statement, it's really good. It says, if you pray when you're in trouble, then you're already in trouble. Or it says, if you only pray. If the only time you find yourself getting closer to God, like, oh no, God, please help me. If that's the only time you're in a relationship with God, you're already in trouble. Even though you may not think you are right now, if you're not taking regular time with the Lord, and seeking His face, and praying to Him, and talking with Him, when trouble comes, it's already too late. It is a scheduled time that you say, God, I'm going to give you this time in my life. But there's also this never stop praying. The King James says to pray without ceasing. That's how I memorized it. It means that no matter what I'm going through, I'm including God in my life. I'm including God in my situation. I'm including God in this season. Whether I'm having to stand in line at Trader Joe's last night. It's the first time I've been there since March. And it really bugged me being there. But if I was all like, Lord, give me patience. It's not these people's fault. You know, they're just doing their job. Lord, help me to have a good attitude. You know. It's all part of it. It doesn't matter what the situation is, but we pray without ceasing. We never stop. This one is mine. If you pray every day, you're going to be living a better way. Is that good? I think that's anointed right there. And you can remember it. Praying every day will help you live a better way. Because it's better if you're closer to God. It's living a life where you are calling on the name of God. It's not always like, God, help me. But God, be with me. What do you think about this, Lord? How could this be better for me, Lord? What, what would you have me do in this situation, God? Because understand, He's with you. So talk to Him. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be New King James or King James. It's just your conversation with God. You see, prayer, this is also not mine, but it's another just a great uh, quote on prayer. It says, prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. That's really good. Write that down. You see, if you're not praying, it's because you think you can do it on your own. And in fact, you probably have done it on your own way too much. But prayer is the difference between what God could do for you and what you're doing without him. So include the Lord in your life. Include the Lord in seasons where you feel like you can't run any faster. Or you're getting outrun. Call on his name. Because prayer connects us to this power that can help you run with horses. Again, I cannot outrun a horse. I can't even run with a horse. I don't want to run next to a horse. But in God's power, I can. Amen? Next one is this, gratitude. It is an attitude. We, we just finished the Thanksgiving season, but you know, this attitude of gratitude. But Paul is saying that we need to have this attitude of gratitude in our lives in these seasons 
as the end approaches. It's just like joy. Last week I said, you know, joy is a choice. It's not a situation. It's like no matter, no matter what I'm going through, I choose to be joyful. And then as I said in Philippians, it says to have joy in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Why rejoice? Because I have to continually redo it. Because it's so easy to lose it. And I have to choose time and time and time again to be joyful. The same way gratitude, I have to choose thankfulness as part of my life. Verse 18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, seasons, situations, whatever words you want to put in there. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. When things are closed or open, have an attitude of gratitude. Amen? Amen? Okay. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that I'm going to be thankful for what I have. Not for what I don't have. It's so easy to focus on what I don't have. The inconveniences. What about all the stuff I do have? That's, that's what a grateful heart is. It focuses on what God has blessed you with. Amen. In fact, it's actually acknowledging that what I do have right now is even more than what I really need. I think we struggle with this as Americans because we are so blessed. I mean, those of us who have the least of things are still so much more blessed than people in other areas of the world. And yet we focus on so much of what we don't have. You may feel like you need more. I struggle with this. I do. I do feel like I need more all the time. It's, it's something I struggle with. But to have an attitude of gratitude to say, God, I may want more, but I know you're enough. And I'll stand in that, that I know that my God is what I need. He's what I need. And not only that, he's what I want. And so it helps our, our, our perspective. I'm going to be a grateful person. Think of the testimony that you could have with others right now in this season which we're facing, as we're especially coming into this Christmas season. If people saw how grateful you were for your life, grateful for your Savior, and then you use that as an opportunity to share with them who Jesus is to you. You know, things may seem really bad right now, but compared to what some other people are going through, you have it good. I have it extremely good. And I, I can say this. I am, I, I'm, I'm better off than most. And honestly, every single one of you are as well. You see, this is an attitude that will quicken your step to run with horses rather than to get ran over. It really will. Being thankful for what you have, for who you are, for where you're at, for your family, it changes so much in our lives and draws us closer to God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or little. And I, I didn't put this verse in here, but I should have. The next verse. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what he's learned. Jesus is what he needs. Drop down a little bit further in Philippians 4.19. It says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. 
So gratitude. Jesus is enough. If you hear anything else today, you need to understand in this season, whatever you might be facing, if you're in, in good times or a time of struggle, Jesus is enough. Keep your focus on him. Because gratitude is an attitude that will speed you up. It makes you move faster. Okay? Number seven, discernment. We'll, we'll, we'll get, you'll, you can read this verse right now like, well, how is that discernment? Let me, let me qualify here in a moment. So Paul has, has given us, as, as times, let me just stop here for a moment. Do you feel like things are confusing right now? Elections, COVID, economies. We don't know what up from down is. We, we don't know if who we are or what we are. Or all the, there's, we need to have discernment. But we need, the, the biggest thing we need is spiritual discernment. And these next verses are going to show this to us. What it is, is being able to see things differently than what we actually see. And let me qualify that as well. It doesn't mean that you ignore the reality. Well, no, I mean, there's something that I, I understand faith. I really do. And I understand positive and negative confessions. But something that always gets me, and it just sort of makes me laugh a little bit, is when someone has a snotty nose and run all over the place, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I do. I'm not going to declare that. No, you are. Go take some ibuprofen and Tylenol. Drink some water. Take a nap. You know, you'll get better. We, we do have realities. So I'm not, it doesn't mean that you just ignore what's going on around you. But it's actually having discernment to understand that it's something greater than what's going around you. That there may be a plan that man has, but there's also an ultimate plan that God has. Amen. And the thing is, can you see that? Amen. And are you living in that faith? Okay? There's a whole lot more to talk about that. But that's, that's the key of what I want to talk about with, with just that, that phrase. It means that I'm not going to just take things at face value. It doesn't mean that you're skeptical. It just knows that you know who's the bigger man. Amen. God. You know who has the bigger and the ultimate plan. You know who has the final word in things. And you base your decisions and how you see things on that more so than what a person says. Understand, the Holy Spirit, He's here right now. Amen. He's on this earth. He wants to guide our lives. And that's the discernment we need. We need to discern between what does the Holy Spirit want to lead me into and what's the world trying to push me into. He's trying to lead us. So here's the verse. It says 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. It's interesting in the church how, how there's segments of the church that really is scared of prophecy. They're scared of moves of the Holy Spirit. But this is the most fascinating and awesome and wonderful thing that I've ever, that really, that, that, I'm not saying that it keeps me as a Christian, but it encourages me as a Christian to know that God speaks to us. Amen. He gives us direction. He shows us what things are supposed to be like and what will they be like in the world. And he uses people to do that. Amen. This word stifle in the Greek, it means to extinguish or suppress. I, I, I was thinking about that this morning as I, I looked up that word. And you know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit is equated with a dove or he's equated with fire. And so he's saying, don't try to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we do. I mean, we, we get uncomfortable with the things that we don't understand because we don't have discernment. All we have is earthly eyes. We don't have spiritual eyes to see the things that God has before us. 
And so we just try to snuff it out. We need to not do that, especially as the day of the Lord approaches. Now, you should test what is said to you prophetically. What people say when they say, thus saith the Lord. Does it line up with scripture? Does it already ring true with your own heart? But you shouldn't just scoff at things. You should test things. Because the Lord is speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He is guiding us. And as the day of the Lord approaches, he wants to make sure that we are on his path. Prophecy is telling us things that we cannot see in the natural. If we could just see everything that's taking place, then we wouldn't have to have prophecy. But we have it. Things that are actually happening, but we don't see. We don't have any idea. I mean, we do have an idea. Uh, or we should. But there's things taking place right now in the heavenlies. There's things taking place over this nation, other nations, this world, that you don't see taking place, that God is doing. And we need to align ourselves with the Lord. We need to align ourselves with the steps of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be, if you're, okay, if you're going to run as these end times get closer and closer, you have to be able to see things spiritually. You have to have discernment. About in the last maybe month or last, maybe it's the last six weeks, I've shifted my uh, media input. I'll, I'll try to watch the news and it just frustrates me. It leaves me more confused than I was before I started. And honestly, I couldn't even tell you where things are at right now as far as the election or COVID numbers. I, honestly, I, it's not that I don't care. It's that I find it's not benefiting me. Right. And I've actually shifted a lot of my, my media consumption to men and women of God who I respect, who have somewhat of a prophetic voice, who, who are attuned to these things. And I'm listening to them instead. Uh, the, the news I do listen to, and I, you all know this, but if, there's a, if I'm going to listen to news, I'm going to listen to Christian news. So I go to CBN News, and I go to CBN News Watch on YouTube, and I'll watch that half an hour. And that is least, and I, I watch that, and I'm actually uplifted, and I feel encouraged after I watch it. But discernment is to know, to understand that what I'm seeing may be happening, but God is at work. And I am more concerned with what God is doing than what Giuliani is doing. I just am. That's right. I'm more concerned with what God has planned next than what a political party wants to do next. Right. Or a nation against our nation, or what have you. We need to have discernment, folks. Amen. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. It's like all these checklists is all in this, wrapped up in this verse. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Amen. What are you listening to? What are you allowing into your life? Do you know that God is at work? Can you see Him at work or not? You need discernment. The same way I need discernment. Again, we've, we've read this verse a number of times, Luke 21, 28, 28. So when all these things begin to happen, stand, look up, if your salvation is near. Amen. I would rather have my focus on things of the Holy Spirit and prophecy than Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, whoever. Amen. Because they're not godly. Right. 
We need to live a life looking up, not just looking around. Because people with discernment, they're always looking for Jesus in every situation, in every season, in every time. How are you looking for Jesus in your daily life? How are you looking for him at work? How are you discerning between what he is doing and what the enemy is doing? Which side are you on? I, I will say this. I have issue with any leader who is in favor of killing the unborn. Who is in favor of saying that marriage is something that it is not. How can you trust anything that they say? I will say this. If you follow them, you do not have spiritual discernment. You don't. In love, I say that. Not in judgment. But seriously, wake up. There's some seriously bad stuff going on here. And you know what? I, and I, I know I can say that and say, well, your side says... I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about life. Don't use that as a bandwagon to go beating up on people or saying the pastor says this. You know, love people. Speak the truth yes. in love. Yes. But you know, in this place, whoever's here, whoever's watching online, accept it for what it is. I mean, if you really just, just open your eyes and look at it. True discernment it is wrong. Yes. Come on. That's why we need number eight, wisdom. So knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Knowledge is knowing stuff. But wisdom is knowing how to use what you know. And also knowing how to use what you know at the right time. Okay? Doing the right thing even when it's difficult. That's wisdom. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22 says, But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. This is what we need to do. It means don't react to everything. Sometimes you need to step back, pause for a moment before you do something. Our uh, district or, or our network network leader, we have we have a pastor who's over all of our churches in the northwest and in northern Idaho. Uh, we, we call him our, our network leader. And uh, he, he posted something the other day that was really good. Uh, it says something to the fact that uh, when, you're, when you feel you're criticized or being attacked, stop and wait three days before you respond. And it, it's, it's good. You, you should never do something. You should stop, pause, and use wisdom in how you make your decisions. You need to test things. Slow down a little. Maybe walk a little. And this is the thing. I mean, you can't, I mean if you're going to run with horses, you can't just keep running and never stop running. Sometimes you need to stop and slow down and walk. Sometimes you need to take a breath and get going again. And wisdom is what allows you to do that. You just don't run yourself ragged, okay? Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This fear of the Lord is not being scared of God, but it's really respecting what he says. And so, you know what, God, you say it's, dude, you say it's supposed to be this way for a reason, so I'm going to do it because you say so. I trust what you say to do. It's understanding that God is in control. And I'm not going to freak out all the time when things don't go the way I want them to. It's having this trust in the Lord. Maybe you need to worship a little bit. You know, edict or not, vocalize your worship to God. Get into the word. Pray. Worship. 
Do it again, a little bit more. Tara was in TJ Maxx last night. One of my, I, I don't, it's actually a pretty cool store. I just don't like to go in there. And so I'm just sitting in my, my truck listening to worship music. And there's a song, um, it's really, uh, his name's Corey Asbury. It's called Sparrows. Anybody heard that song? It's a cool song. And it's, it, the, the, the chorus says, he's been so good to me. He's been so good to me. And I'm just sitting in my truck, just, you know, worshiping and enjoying the presence of God. And I'm sitting there I'm like, man, my life is so good. So these people masked up going everywhere and doing all this crazy stuff. Like, you know, life is so good. And in that moment of worship and just me and God, it was good. We need wisdom. Live your life this way and you'll respond to the situations around you differently. Why? Because you're going to be wise. You're connected to the Holy Spirit and His guidance. And here's the last one. Number nine. Vision. I have found in my life that vision that God has for me has kept me more than anything else. Number two on the list was ministry. And ministry was what you do for other people. But vision is for you. Vision is something that God gives you to keep you to keep you stable, to keep you running, to give you the energy you need. It's, it's one thing that keeps me going on in life. And, and another word that we, we hear often in the church is calling. God's vision for my life is his calling in my life. Where God says, Brian, this is what I have for you to do. And he calls me to his plans. And it keeps me. I, I don't have this in my notes, but I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, before I graduated high school, I mean, maybe you guys... I'm sure we've all thought the same thing, that, man, what's my life going to be like? What am I going to do with my life? Well, I, I remember being between, between 16 and 18, really wrestling with what I was going to do in my life, because I knew my calling. I knew what God called me to, but I didn't want to do it. You know, I, I wanted to live for me. And uh, I struggled with that. I remember my senior year, I just graduated high school, and I took a number of weeks, almost a summer, and just really had to know that I knew that I knew that God it was calling me. I needed to know the vision he had for my life. And from that point forward, I've lived my entire life by that vision. Who, would I, who I would marry was determined by that vision. There was other options or people out there, obviously, but they didn't, they didn't match the vision that God had for my life. So I refused to be a part of that. Job opportunities, friends, how I spend my time, everything is focused on that vision. Because God said that he had something for me to do, and I took it seriously. And I, I've been thinking about this, and, and this is my encouragement to you. If you don't know God's vision for your life, don't, don't feel bad about that, but be encouraged. And let that maybe provoke you to take this time in January and say, Lord, I am fasting to, to clarify my mind to get closer to you so I can hear what you have for my life. This is why the letter ends like this. This is why the, this is the last point that Paul gives us in verses 23 and 24. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And again, we know that word holy means set apart. And set apart for what? Set apart for God. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. He has a vision for your life and he is calling you to line yourself up with that vision. 
You know what? I only live for one. I, I live for God. I don't live my life for my family. I don't live my life for a vocation. I don't live my life for a hobby or a sport or what have you. I live for God. You see, we don't just need to live, live on something. Like, oh, I need to have this job so I can live off of this or live off that. We need to live for something specific. For someone. And the best one you can live for is God. Again, I go back to vision in my life. And this is, this is just the way pastors are. It's about every third week I want to quit. It's just the way it works. Because it's, 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 this is a different job than anything else that's, ever, that's out there. It's just, it's just different. Like, you know what, I think it's time to go do something different. Oh, I think I may want to do that. But, but the calling always brings me back. It's the calling that revives me. It's that, that, that purpose and joy in what God has made me to be. But it's not just about being a pastor. God has that for you. It could be being a teacher or a contractor or working at Smith's or being a mom or all those things. God can call us to those things. And he has ways that, he, that he'll take the people in your life and that you can show them who he is. Maybe I'll slow down for a moment, but that vision that God has for my life is how I pick the pace back up and keep running. His vision for my life. God has a vision for your life. It's God's word specifically for me. And I'm telling you, God has a word specifically for you. And you need to take time to find out what that is. You need to take that seriously. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know what that is, take January. If you need to know more about praying and fasting, I'll have material out there. You can come and talk about how maybe it will work for you. But you need to hear God's voice and his vision for you. You know, we may not live in a season of peace, but peace should always be in you. These nine things, you know, having a covering in your life, having ministry for others, showing and and receiving grace, joy, prayer, gratitude, discernment, wisdom, and vision, all those things keep that peace in my life. No matter what's going on, I do care about what's going on around me. But I care more about what's going on inside of me. Because it affects everything around me. You don't have to understand everything. You just have to understand that God has you in your hands. And he has a a purpose for you. So connect yourself to God. I believe these nine things do that. They connect you to God. And that's my prayer for you as a pastor. Take time and pray. Be grateful for what you have. You know, take these nine things. Find, Find ministry. Give grace to others. Use discernment in your decisions and who you follow and what you accept into your life. Be wise. Find a vision that God has for you. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day to be in your house. Lord, I thank you that your word gives us everything that we need to live this life and to live this life well. Father, there may be people here right now, and there probably is, that feel like they're beaten down or they're being drugged behind these horses, God, with all the the uncertainty of the times and not to know what to believe and the the, the death that we hear about, maybe we've even experienced the uncertainty of our jobs, God. All these things that go on. 
But the one certain thing we have is you. And Father, these nine things, what they do is they all point us back to you. They all bring us back closer to you. Help us to see you. And Father, if anyone here has, has, has looked, spent more time looking around at the situations rather than looking up to you, who, are, who is our salvation, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, just guide us back. Lead us back to you. And Father, as we come into this, this, this Christmas season, Lord, let it be a time full of joy where we do show the world your glory. We show the world your Son. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And we will see you Wednesday or tonight at youth if you're youth age. Don't forget, kids, ministry workers, uh, John will have a meeting for you across the street at 101 right after service.